So what's up, what's up everybody? Thanks for uh, tuning in to an episode of the Phoenix MMA podcast. Um, so um, yeah, sorry for the wait on the between episodes. I've been meaning to do this episode, it's, and it's, I think it's going to actually come out better that it's taken me uh, a couple weeks to get it together. Uh, just been super, super busy, uh, busy in the best way possible. So I'm very thankful uh, to be so busy, but busy nonetheless. So, uh, nonetheless, um, so this is a uh, yeah. I have a couple more podcasts that are backlogged in my mind too. I just gotta, I just have to have the time to get them down. So, um, but, um, sometimes waiting a little bit makes them better. So hopefully, I hope you really enjoy this one. Uh, I've been getting this question. Uh, I like that it took some time because I, my, my head, I, how I think about the podcast is people ask me questions in the gym, um, or as I'm studying and stuff, I'll, uh, a question, I can't help it. It just, a question pops in my head and then my, like the put goes to the back of my brain and my brain just thinks about it, um, for days and weeks and weeks and months and sometimes years. And then, and then it, um, it's uh, pretty cool the answers that kind of come to it, but um, so this one has been has been brought up multiple times for the last couple weeks, months, honestly, at least a year. Um, it comes time to time. It comes. This happens. Everybody is uh, this podcast, um, and just recently I've had it a lot with our students because we're starting to get some students that are getting more dedicated and start getting more a little bit more traction. And the better you get at jujitsu, um, the deeper you look at it, that the you start kind of being a little bit more strict on your own training and stuff. So you start start pushing yourself more. So you uncover problems that you didn't even know existed when you first start doing jujitsu. You know, you're just trying to learn out what learn what a half guard and a butterfly guard are. You have no idea. But then as you get better, um, the problems just become more complex and they become deeper. So this is a little bit uh, deeper. And once you really start getting into jujitsu, but uh, the the name of this podcast episode is "Getting Lost in Minutia and Novelty." Okay, so this is a uh, I think this is going to help a lot of people out in the gym, and uh, I think just in general, if you you know if you have uh, somebody who does present jujitsu, this would work for wrestling, Muay Thai, kickboxing, boxing. It's universal martial art truth, combat sport truth. Um, I say truth. That's a strong word for the truth. It's just uh, things that I've learned from training and stuff. So. Um, uh, just it happens uh, in every combat sport that I've ever done. It's happened to practically every single good athlete that I know. Every Pan American champion, national champion, world champion, every single one. Like I study them nonstop, um, and then I study nonstop, and I've, I've trained, I train, and and and, uh, and compete as well. Um, for, uh, these are lessons from training a, a lot and competing a lot, um, and then from studying uh, great athletes as well and different different things, but. Um, getting lost in minutia and novelty. So this has been coming up a lot in the gym and, uh, and, and it's a normal thing. Like you get, you know, you just, you get into jiu-jitsu. It's so complex. There's so much stuff for you to learn that you can, and it's so fun too. It's so addicting. It's such an enjoyable thing. There's so many good things about it. You know, it makes you start feeling better, but you know, I'm not going to go, I go off on the, all the good stuff all the time, but you get all these positive, um, positive things from jiu-jitsu. So it's really fun. But, uh, one of the things that you can slip into if you don't watch out for it, or it just happens to everybody. I think you have to slip into it and then you realize, oh no, like I, I, I slipped into this, uh, I got lost i got lost in the woods um and it's minutia novelty um it just happens we really like jiu-jitsu there's so many cool things so many books dvds etc 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 i'm not telling you for a second to not use youtube as a resource i i will tell you that is one of my points i think instructors that i it's not all instructors because they could be coming from a good place but i've seen I've seen a lot of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belts owners of gyms instructors that will talk bad about youtube as a 
uh, I have seen it in good ways too, where they're just frustrated. They're just frustrated that the students are maybe getting lost in this minutia novelty. I'd prefer to just explain it to you, articulate it to you, so you can understand what it is. So then, way that way, you can still get the benefit of YouTube um, and fully utilize it. It's because it is good, good information. Information is a good thing for you. Um, but uh, as but but also I've seen the the bad side of this too because martial arts schools are still um, businesses so they still have to make money they still you know they still have bills to pay etc all these things it is still a business so the the shame of it is the business side sometimes will will change people's. Um, coaching habits and how they teach and stuff they'll push members to private lesson private lesson sales or upgraded packages or they'll um i i know instructors who will i i've seen it firsthand um and because i have conversations with them and i um and and also i understand from the perspective of being a teacher with what's going on and i understand the financials of it um i have definitely seen instructors um you know, push away YouTube as a, it's, um, it's a control of information thing. It's, you know, it's a, it's really dirty. It's really manipulative. It's a terrible thing to do. Um, you know, people that come to your gym, they want you, they, for the most part, you know, the, the pro athlete, Brazilian Jiu Jitsu practitioner, that's like 1% of the population in your gym. The majority of everybody in your gym have actual professions, families, etc. So to to me, it's just like um, you're just going to a specialist. Um, you know what whatever that is. If you're going to a firearms instructor, you, you expect that firearms instructor to be up to date with all the the legal legal statutes that have to do with your firearm. That you also want them to be competent and skillful, and and you don't want them to manipulate you or um, or try to you know, manipulate you for extra money or, you know, and that could be to your general practitioner, doctor, or your family dentist or something like that. The, um, the, your job is to, to, to study, to study and make yourself really, really good. And then you give that information to your students, the people that come and, um, and, and, uh, pay you for your, for your teaching and your lessons, um, and give you the ability to, uh, to, to pursue your passion in life. So, um, so yeah, I just think it's a little dirty thing. Anyway, that's my soapbox thing with it. I've seen it before. Um, but I, I want you to, I, this lesson should help out so that if you're getting stuck in that and YouTube can definitely get you, get you messed up a little bit, frazzled or get, get you lost a little bit. Um, so I'm just gonna. Hopefully this episode helps you out. Okay, um, we have some people going through this right now, and I went through it, and and everybody's gone through it. So hopefully, hopefully these concepts help you out, help you out. So uh, just let's see, let's see, get some coffee. Um, I think these are just my opinions from experience, and then studying other people also too. So uh, take it for take it for what you want. I think it will help though if uh, if you give it a try. Um, I think. Um, I think most people incorrectly apply principles, um, principle uh, principles to minutia and novelty, um, like they they apply the maybe the wrong principles, uh, or just not the most appropriate thing um, to to minutia and novelty. Um, I think that there are like you know there's a time and a place for everything, and there's better things, better ways to do things, and worse ways to do things. Example would be, um, you know, is it better to do uh, is it better to do three reps of the technique that is taught in class and then stop and talk like for, you know, what, or is it better to do, uh, 18 reps as opposed to three, you know, which, which is going to give you more skill level. So, um, but some of these things are a little bit weird to navigate when you first, when you're still learning jujitsu and stuff. Um, it can just, you can just get pulled off. You can just accidentally fall off the road. You don't realize that you are, um, 
the thing that I noticed, um, and it took me a long time to actually realize it. I couldn't, I, I, it's weird. The more that you do jujitsu, you're going to start noticing patterns and things. You might not be able to put it in words, but the, the more experience I think from going from, uh, especially from purple belt to black belt is there's a, a different perspective that you look at jujitsu. It changes, uh, skill wise, like purple belts are very, very good skill wise, very athletic, very capable. Um, but there's a, there's a, I think there's a perspective shift, um, from purple belt to black belt. Just the way that you look at techniques, or at least from my my perspective, um, it almost reminds me of looking back to when I was a teenager. Um, you know, it's almost it's almost kind of like that. So you you look at yourself and you kind of smile, like ah, if I only knew these these uh, frustrating things, I was going to get past them, or you know. Um, but uh, I one of the things I noticed with uh, let's see, let's see, you go to notes. Um, I think people try to uh, apply practicality to novelty. Um, that sounds weird as just a sentence, but yeah, try to apply practicality and novelty. What I mean by that is they try to drill novelty. Um, like, uh, I, this is just my opinion. Um, I think it's tough when, when people try to drill, this is not my opinion. It's actually not my opinion. It's just my observations. What I mean by people try to, um, drill novelty is like every day you're drilling a new abstract technique. Um, or not technique, techniques every day, every day that you're drilling, whether that's, you know, two days a week, four days a week, three days a week, whatever, one day a week, um, every session is, um, it's the practical side. It's drilling. Drilling is very practical. It's very necessary. It's, it's definitely it. But then it's combining, um, that, or it's using that practical, um, direction towards, uh, like, uh, a strong amount of novelty, if not pure novelty, because every day it's a new, every day. Like, Monday's a new one, Wednesday's a new one, Friday's a new one, Monday's a new one, etc. Um, it's a, uh, it's a new thing every single day. Um, and then trying to drill that, um, trying to drill that, uh, you know, during, uh, extra drilling time, this is also, so you know, which, what I mean with this, when I'm talking about drilling, I'm talking about open mat time before class, after class, Saturday, Sunday, we have open mats, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday. Um, it's, uh, new techniques are not bad to drill. It's just, I'm going to give you a little advice on how to, uh, how to drill them. It's not, you know, seven new techniques every single day and you hit five reps a piece on seven new techniques. Um, you just, you just, it's going to be very hard for your brain to stick and hold on to, um, some of those things, but novelty is also very, very important. It's really good for inspiration. It's really good for, um, uh, adding new things to your game. I'm going to later on the podcast, um, give some advice on how to incorporate novelty to, too. Okay. So you want to be practical and you want to utilize novelty. Um, there's just good times to use it. And then I think there's other times that they're not so useful to use and might get you, uh, might slow you down. Um, so yeah. Uh, oh yeah. Sorry. The last piece on that when I said uh, um, the try to practice uh, uh, practicality with novelty, um, I put i.e. Uh, everyday drilling new abstract techniques at a low rep range. So that would that would be one. Um, that's like a <clears throat> little thing that I noticed people do. Um, see back to notes. Uh, you want to drill practically. Two to three techniques for 1,000 reps per increment, then move on to two or three new techniques for for infinity. Um, so strong statement there with infinity. Um, and I later on the, in this podcast, because I have the notes that I've written out, um, it, 
I have increments. I'm gonna give you increments on how long your like what your training dedication level is compared to your professional life, compared to your family life, etc. But there's increments that you wanna if you're doing practical training, drilling, very practical, you wanna do it in a in a an appropriate rep range, two hundred, five hundred, or a thousand, depending on your, your level of training. Um, you know, if you're if you're looking for like what makes what makes things actually practical? It's reps and neural pathways in the brain, carving neural pathways in the brain, um, creating the mind-body, mind-muscle connection uh, with techniques and the feel of an opponent, um, and getting to the point where you have muscle memory. You don't have to think of things. So that takes, uh, you know, not seven reps, not not seven reps uh, on a day, a single day, seven reps of a technique. Um, you know, it doesn't mean that you have to get 500 reps in a day either, but it's, you know, a week or two weeks or three weeks or a month or whatever, whatever your time period is that, you know, um, in, in a, a good rep range, just like if you were trying to build muscle, like there's different rep ranges depending on what type of strength or muscle, what, what you're looking for physically when you're uh, resistance training, there's rep ranges and weight ranges for things. Same thing with jujitsu. Um, just, uh, just. Just I don't see it written in a book, um, or I haven't seen it written in a book. So, um, let's see. Uh, okay, novelty. So here's here's a little tip uh, for novelty. Uh, you want novelty to inspire you, expand your mind. Um, my favorite examples are highlight videos and try to make up a new move um, in the moment. Okay, so novelty is really good. Um, I think highlight videos are really really good for novelty um, because you get to see whatever highlight you're watching you get to see just that dis distillation of really good techniques everything whether um and it doesn't mean just watch one person you know you could have 50 different i probably have 50 or 60 different highlight videos of of uh different martial artists depending on what martial art they do jujitsu wrestling whatever, all these things and they're they're great inspiration um they're great inspiration and they're great at when you watch the very best compete with the highlight video, it's the very best people, but it's also their very best moment. So it's just like a three-minute video of the very best people and the very best moments of the very best people. It's very inspiring. It, um, it, if you're stuck in a rut, it'll expand your mind. And novelty is imp important um, to to pull you out of a rut because sometimes you're just you know it's just like a gray day out you know outside um, or your jujitsu's in that mode where it's just kind of a gray day. It's kind of winter time, not not super inspiring. And then you you watch some and you watch a good highlight video, and then suddenly you have you know you watch whoever it is and you know then your jiu-jitsu practice is so much um so much better more beneficial uh from watching that because you're, you're watching the the really 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 great people um in their in their greatest moments so um you know it's just like watching a play or going to a concert it's um it's inspiring and there was a joe rogan podcast i was listening to the other day i just can't remember exactly which comedian but it was some advice he said he got as a young man was that or from from an older comedian was that to um anytime that you need to write you need inspiration you need to go watch a really good another comic yeah uh, somebody who will inspire you so um novelty is still is still important um it's just um uh, you you know this is what i mean where i think people get mixed up novelty with practicality uh, both are absolutely necessary um and they but they i think they have their benefits and they can um they can also you can, i think you can use them and just uh and you can miss out on like what really really makes them run really really smooth um and really really clean uh, but i think you need both um but i think a lot of people just mix it up and that's why you know they come in one day and it's like you know just doing 10 different moves and two reps of all 10 of those moves. Um, 
I mean, it's cool that you're excited about all those different techniques. It's really cool. Um, but just doing two reps of each one, you're just not getting anything done. You're not, you're not actually getting anything done. Um, uh, believe it or not, I, I, I think actually it'd be more valuable if you found a highlight video. I mean, from my experience, it's much more valuable to find a highlight video with, um, and, and there's support psychology to back this up as well, but watching something and mentally visualizing something is, um, is just as effective for your mind as, as physical training. Um, it's a, it's a really cool thing. Uh, one of the cool, uh, things I've learned in sports psychology, but, um, it was actually the first time, no, not the first time, just one of the best examples that I've heard of is Roddy Ferguson would, would talk to, talk about, he's a two-time national judo champion, two-time Olympian. Um, and he was a three, three, uh, three sport, co- uh, college, three sport athlete, uh, football, wrestling, uh, football, wrestling and track. Um, and he, uh, what he would say is when he was trying to learn a new armbar sequence, he would actually uh, get a video uh, video footage of it as he ate breakfast. And also this this person, too, he also finished his doctorate and had children and a wife at the same time he was doing this. So, um, so yeah, had a very, very full plate. And uh, he said that one of his, his tips he would do is that as he ate breakfast, um, he would have the footage. You know, he's, he's in the Olympics, and, you know, he has all these other obligations at the highest, you know, highest level in the Olympics. He said that when he'd eat breakfast, he would, um, as he was sitting there eating breakfast, he would have a clip and he would uh, of the armbar, and it would it would replay and restart, replay, restart. So he would watch it over and over and over while he's eating breakfast, um, because he was trying to maximize his time, and uh, and also the the fact that when you're watching a watch, you getting inspired like that, and then also uh, watching the technique really really helps you learn. I've um, I it sounds crazy. I have actually been able to. All right, I've, I've, I've always been able to do this. Once I got to a certain level, after a couple years of training and really, really getting into jiu-jitsu, I could watch a highlight video. I could see uh, arm bar, certain type of technique. Go to the gym, not drill it. You know, I still follow my, my coach's class structure. Not drill the technique at all and then pull it off in sparring. Um, but it was also, it was on my mind. It was what, when I was in sparring, it's like, all right, I'm going to try that move. I'm going to try to get that move. Um, the only thing I'll say with that, because that that um, just so I just have a um, always always need a reversal for anything. So any point I have, I always like to understand the reversal of it. The other thing is like be careful in some of those moves that you're getting inspired if you're watching the World Championship Finals. Always like think if it's something like aerial or something high velocity. Um, so the the cool new stuff is cool to do. Just make sure you don't injure your training partners. So it's like a 360 spin backflip jump might want to drill that one like just think whatever new technique you're doing like do i think i could randomly land you know foot first down into my training partner's groin because i'm not good at this uh 360 spin backflip whatever type thing or whatever and i'm not saying that you shouldn't do it it's just you need to put the reps in first um so you're not a danger to yourself or a danger to your training partners just with random you know strange injuries but if you see a really cool barambolo sweep to a back take to a, you know kimura from a kimura to a back take or something you see that the you know it's not a high velocity it's not a it's not you doing a backflip just think just like use some empathy just think like the street other people how is like would i like for somebody to do a backflip on top of me when they're not good at it yet um and, you know maybe hurt both of us um anyway uh just just uh Disclaimer on that one. Uh, so now we'll go to minutia. One of the the, the bad habits I see. Um, so let's go to notes. Uh, 
don't try to fabricate minutia. This one's pretty funny. Um, uh, yeah, don't try to fabricate minutia. It's, um, you're just doing a disservice to yourself. Uh, the reversal to this, too, um, just so you know, reversal of first off. So when I say this to so somebody, doesn't take it out of context and think that, um, or you don't run with it. Um, you always want to be able to reverse engineer a position to fully understand it and be able to find the counters and the holes of position. So I'm not saying that you don't need to fully understand and inspect the position. If you actually have the time to do that, to get to a position, and you and you have a partner who's willing for you to fully inspect it, that is awesome. It's really cool. Um, but not a lot of people actually do that. It's like a, it's like a combination of, hey, we're going to do a really deep delve inspection combined with um, socializing, you know, which actually I don't mind if you do that. I don't mind if you do that. It's just, just understand if you do it or you do it too much, you might fall into a rut and then you're going to be, if you're like, why am I in this rut? I'm training all the time. Like I'm focused, so focused on my training. I'm focused on every tiny detail. Uh, you know, you might be sitting there talking about the technique and socializing, talking about the technique, but the time that you're actually like, on the canvas, on the mat, you know, one of my favorite things, I think it was Mauro Ronello said back in Pride when he's, when he was uh, commentating one of the early Gracie fights, and I think it's Mauro Ronello, I hope I'm crediting him with it, but it was a cool old line, he's like, he's, I think he said, he's like, uh, I think it's Rodrigo Gracie, he's like, Rodrigo Gracie, um, the, Rodrigo Gracie has as much, um, out, as many hours on the canvas as Picasso, um, and you know it's a corny little line or whatever. It's kind of cool because I was like, yeah, that is really what it is. Like the same way um, a painter, you have to have just thousands, thousands, thousands of hours to to just be just to be amazing. It's the exact same thing, and it's you know on the canvas or on the mat, um, and it, it takes it takes a lot of time. And um, the thing about the fabricating the minutia is is kind of like sitting around like pontificating about it. Like I think this or think that or maybe I think this or maybe I think that or maybe I think this. You absolutely should still do that, okay? But don't let that substitute for your actual moving through the position, sparring with the position, doing it, trying to do it against very difficult people to do it against um, all different levels, and and you, you don't keep yourself. Uh, it's hard to find the really really good stuff um, when it's when the atmosphere is very calm and easygoing because um, when it's calm and easygoing, the techniques they'll work in different ways, and the only way that you really really know if something's really solid is um, under 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 a certain level of pressure under uh, uh, under a difficult opponent or with a difficult uh, uh, difficult opponent. Um, let's see. Sorry, getting back to my notes so I don't ramble. Um, yeah, so I have, uh, but to understand the gold uh, of minutia, it must be, it must be acquired in live rolling time. Um, there's so much gold that you learn. Um, one of my favorite people, Marcelo Garcia. I mean, this is uh, across the board, really great jujitsu practitioners that are, you know, really, really great. Their details will be such a small, tiny detail that it makes the huge difference in a position. Um, those details, um, you you find those uh, while you're sparring. You find those during live training. You find those with Q&A with your partner during live training or right when you get done with a round or different things. You find those in the moment. So just um, just uh, just know it's it's in the moment. It's not, it's not just... Um, 
just sitting around talking about it. It's uh, this happens all the time. I'm not saying don't talk about jujitsu, don't theorize it. I like to all the time. It's just um, make sure it doesn't uh, keep you from actually training or keep you from actually drilling uh, repetitions. Um, you know, it's uh, um, it's kind of you know, like I put, uh, you you can't just read about push-ups to get better. Um, you have to also do a lot of push-ups. Um, so that's, you know, that one's pretty simple. You know, if you, if you're just sitting around reading about push-ups, doing push-ups, um, and I don't think you should only just go in there and blindly do push-ups. I think going in there and, and doing blindly doing push-ups and just going for it is better than, um, than the opposite, just sitting and theorizing about doing push-ups. Like you're, you're, strength development will be way better even if you don't know what you're doing yet and a little tidbit on that like that's that's how everything is i was actually listening to a lecture um a couple days ago that was talking about that it's it's so cool um uh because it it directly relates to brazilian jiu-jitsu but it's better for you to actually go and just try and make mistakes um and, and not know what you're doing it's much better to do that than just sit and just think and t- ponder and think and ponder and think and ponder because the reason why is honestly you can never ever think and ponder every possible variation out all the way because the variations are infinite they're just they're just infinite and they're infinite and they're always infinite and they're no matter how much you theorize or plan there will always be something that can that can pop up that you did not plan for so I'm not saying not to plan either. I'm not saying just throw your hands up and say, oh, I'm just going. I want you to plan and think and then also um, go for it. Um, there's there's so many different things. And the I, the lecture I was listening to was pretty cool. It was, I think it was, a, it, well, it was, it was a Carl Jung con- concept that was saying that the, the, um, the fool or the jester is the precursor to the savior. And when I heard that, I was like, whoa, that's pretty crazy. Why, why would that, why would that be the case that, and then just it's explained pretty quickly, but the, the fuel, the, the fool or the jester is the precursor to the savior because, um, you can't, you can't fix something. You can't make something better skill or technique, um, without, without being, without being able to step out and be a fool or, you know, or be the jester or, you know, make a mistake. So when you go out there, you make a mistake you make a fool of yourself um that then gives you your thesis like if you're writing a paper or your rough draft and then you start working on that more and more and more but the problem is if you never write a rough draft then you never have anything to revise you never have anything to actually make better um so yeah so that's my point that i'm trying to get uh that's my point. I'm trying to get on the don't fabricate minutia. It uh, minutia minutia is discovered and created in in the moment um, or it, during experience um, during during practice during the active play where you make mistakes. Um, let's see. Yeah, during the active processes um, when a lot of the great gems in jujitsu are found. Those tiny, simple details that make all the difference in a technique working or not working. Um, yeah, you, you find those, again, somebody can tell it to you, and it, it won't even mean as much. If you get the answer, um, it, it won't mean as much um, as when you actually find something out for yourself. You know, Everybody understands either if you're a parent, you're telling your children to do something, or if you can remember your parents giving you advice. And, um, and you can look back and laugh and be like, okay, you know, um, but experiencing things so you got to experience stuff uh that's that's with your sparring that's your training um your active time um yeah so here we go so now uh, now some answers all right so we we laid out some problems some little tips some little different concepts now um what to do if you are lost um 
Um, yeah. So what what do we do if we're lost? Um, if you if you're got a headache, I've I've had multiple students bring this up to me over the last year. Um, where you get in the spot. So here's going to be some tips. Um, before before I give the tips, I'm just going to give you a couple little quick stories because I'm trying to combine another pod, not trying to combine another podcast, but I think this might help you out just so you understand. Uh, if you're one of my students at the gym, every single person goes through this point where you feel like you're lost and you have no idea what to do and you're just frustrated and you you might want to like quit or you maybe don't want to quit. You're just really frustrated. You're like, I don't want to quit jujitsu, but I'm just really frustrated because I'm being let down and I'm, I'm running into difficulty. So uh, just three examples real quick or just quick examples um like uh, uh it's hard for everybody and uh just my personal examples because i'll you know talk with buddies and stuff or training partners in the gym and we'll sometimes be telling like old stories of like being broke or like or how difficult it was um different training times and they're and they're fun stories they're not bad this is it's actually good at, at the long term is it, it makes it it's actually a really fun thing um you know, one at one point in my jiu-jitsu training, I lived under the boxing ring. Um, so this is like just if you need some perspective and you're trying to be a pro athlete, pro MMA, kickboxing, Brazilian jiu-jitsu, um, there was a time, yeah, I slept under the boxing ring. Um, and uh, and it was it was cool. It was inspiring. But, uh, but at the same time, I'm not going to just laugh and say, oh, yeah, it was easy. It was stressful. It was um, – it was stressful to live, uh, sleep under the boxing ring, and uh, wake up every morning for private lessons when uh, other coaches would, you know, crank the music up at uh, 6 a.m. You know, for somebody to do a private lesson, and your sleep's kind of messed up, and and then just like waking up, training, eating lunch, and then training again, and then training again, and then going to sleep in the same spot. Um, it's a uh, yeah, it's a wild little thing. Um, when I was in Brazil, I slept on the mats for a good amount of time. That kind of like warmed me up for it, so I got used to it. But, but not completely a comfortable time. Uh, um, uh, let's see. Um, as a blue belt, it was. Uh, I think it was either blue belt, purple belt. As a blue belt, I um I retired shortly. I retired for like an hour and a half. I retired from jujitsu for an hour and a half as a blue belt. It was so funny. I was at a tournament and in my weight class, I got beat maybe the second or third round, and um and I did not like how the match went at all. I was like, man, this is so frustrating, so bad. And my dad was actually my dad. Um, you know, if it was a local tournament, he would go to it. So he went to support me and I was excited. My dad went there and I performed really bad and, uh, didn't like how it was. And I remember I went out into the parking lot and I was just frustrated. I told my dad I retired and my dad just kind of let me vent and talk to me. And he talked me back into going into the tournament. And then the funny thing is, I think, I think it was maybe a three or four strike blue belt and that's, and I ran into some, you know, headache. And then I had already signed up for a no-gi absolute the the absolute advanced division um because as a blue belt i started hopping in those because i wanted to test myself and you know because you could be a black belt in that but i was like i I don't care and it's also absolute no weight class so i just started challenging myself um pushing myself into those harder those harder tournaments to get me used to it uh as a as a blue belt and um it was funny because i ended up um it was absolute division no gi um advanced uh and i ended up beating you know i that i i know the guy still he's a, another instructor but um you know i think he might have had 50 or 65 pounds on me and was is a good um very good grappler um good leg locks good jiu-jitsu practitioner um but maybe maybe 215 at the time um but uh, i ended up winning the finals in i think it was quadruple or fifth overtime 
with a uh, with a sweep and it's funny because like you know an hour and a half prior to that I was ju- and I won like a championship belt and it was it was a really really cool part um, for me as I was doing different jiu-jitsu tournaments and I remember my dad just kind of laugh and saying oh you, you retire hon you know um, so trust me I understand like the frustrations the the sleeping under the under the boxing ring is not all glory and stuff um, a lot of frustrations and I'm telling you like the thing I could always do is I could always internalize it when I was in the gym because the gym was kind of my my happy place where I'm like training I'm getting work in so I kind of push my problems to the side when I was in the gym the gym you know even if I got submitted it was a again it's still a happy spot like a you know if I get beat it's one of my I don't like to get beat but at the same time it gives me such inspiration and so much energy when I get beat it's always like a good thing um but but also I will say it's not comfortable. I can internalize it uh, for whatever reason. But if you were to ride in my car, you know my my music is on max volume wherever I'm driving. Um, that's where I get uh, I get a lot of my uh, of my energy and my my uh, you know just get, uh, express feelings is with music in the car. Um, uh, let's see. And then the the best one, the funniest one that I have, or the the funniest and the, really the coolest one that I've had in my career. But there's a whole lot, you know, as you study different people, you know, they all have really really cool stories. Um, is mine? It, it was either two or three weeks before I won the, I won the world champ purple belt adult world championships in two thousand nine. Um, and that was before I started fighting MMA. Um, and it was, um, for Tennessee at the time, 2009, it was a significant deal, you know, um, like I, back then at that time, like I was training with, uh, DJ Jackson at Lloyd Irvin's, the team I was, the team I was under was, uh, Lloyd Irvin. So I go up there for training camps. And, um, part of me, sometimes I wish I'd just stayed with only jujitsu and not gone to MMA. Um, cause you know, DJ Jackson, you know, I was training with him. And I think we were both uh, purple belts, um, and you were working good. And, and DJ has uh, gone on to become one of the best American jiu-jitsu practitioners, um, being a, a black belt, American black belt world champion. Um, so sometimes I think, like, ah, should I should have stayed as, like, a specialist? Um, but going to MMA was actually awesome. Um, there's so many different skills that I'm thankful that I learned. Boxing skill, Muay Thai kickboxing, and, and then MMA itself. Um, so I, I'm happy that I had it. Um, but still, for 2009, winning a Purple Belt World Championship at the adult class um, was a big deal. I was the first Tennessean to do it um, and uh, and was I was I was in a good rhythm and a good groove because um, I I had won the Brazilian Nationals in the fall and then I won the European Open in Portugal and then uh, then the had the New York Open and then got silver at the Pan American Games against um, a good uh, a good um, I believe he's Division One wrestler and uh, MMA fighter and that was that was a lesson that taught me uh, to. A strategy and tactics because um, I just played takedowns with him and I took him down uh, but he took me down more times so my, my ego and my pride got into my head a little bit on that one but then the world championships um, I won that year and uh, it was I was the first um, uh, Tennessee world champion actual Tennessean we obviously we had Samuel Braga that was in Knoxville at the time and Samuel's a very very good jiu-jitsu practitioner multiple time world champion and multiple belts, um, but we just had not had a, a Tennessean do it yet um, because jiu-jitsu is still, uh, still, you know, jiu-jitsu is still growing. Um, 
it's uh, it's grown a lot, even a lot since then, uh, with the amount of gyms. And in some ways, it's also shrunk too in different areas in Tennessee. So, um, M- the MMA scene and the jiu-jitsu scene. Um, so, um, but with that, it was a big tournament. Everything was going on. Been working on it hard. Um, but I was just doing my diet severely. Um, I was just doing my diet completely wrong, and I burned myself out from doing that long stretch of tournaments. Uh, just uh, essentially just starving myself. Like really, really, I'd starve myself. Like my only meal I would have, I would do three workouts in a single day, and my only meal would be a cup of co- like black coffee, and then a cucumber for dinner. And I would do a cucumber um, with Tabasco sauce on it, and like that's so stupid. Um, it was really stupid, but it was. I was going, I was going super, super hardcore to uh, to cut weight. So not smart. And then once I actually learned how to do it, it was much better. But um, leading up to the world championships, I I didn't um, I didn't step foot in the gym for either two or three weeks. Um, and and I told my coaches like, hey, I'm out. Like I'm done. I hit my limit. I'm just done. Like done. Not gonna do it. And my coaches were like, hey, you know, just go out, relax, stay out of the gym, and. Uh, when you uh, you know just go out in nature or do different things, just relax. And I was like, okay, I'll do it, but I'm I'm still out. And then I, I was sponsored for the tournament, so they said, um, uh, you know, my coach just advised like, hey, go out there. You're sponsored. You have to at least go arrive. You know, go out there, and who knows? Maybe the spark will come back, and you'll be good to go. And sure enough, you know, I was burned out. Got on the flight. By the time the flight was landing, um, the, I felt the like a pilot light turn on, and I felt the spark start to build, start to build, start to build. And then I ended up having one of the best performances I've ever had in my athletic career. Um, and uh, like every single match that I had that day, and it's so funny not training for two or three weeks, um, just got into the groove. So those are that's just like three examples of like really big headaches that I've had. I mean, I, I tore my knee like a week before I was going to Brazil. I had no idea because I didn't have health insurance. I was going to be in a foreign country, but I just flew there and just, just played guard for, for months and just played butt scoot and butterfly because my knee, it was swollen up so bad. And I didn't know if, I didn't know if my ACL was torn. Luckily, I think it was my, well, it was just my meniscus partially torn, but I didn't know if it was my ACL or LCL or MCL. I didn't know what it was, but just really didn't even have an option, but to just keep on trudging forward. Um, but, um, uh, but yeah, it worked out luckily, knock on wood. Uh, all right, so uh, frustrations, headaches, I got, and I'll have some more. I got, t- I got tons of them. Um, the frustration headaches actually are what makes you get to um, pretty cool. Um, I swear that I don't, I don't fully like them when the headache is going on. Uh, the frustration, I promise, I don't. Um, but once you get past it, you, you like it. Um, so, all right. So here we go. Really uh, good advice. Um, done with my rambling on different stuff. So, if you find yourself lost in the minutia and novelty, these are some tips, practical tips for you to get to get out of that, out of the woods to um, find yourself back to the path of the road. Um, number one, uh, tighten your grouping. Uh, you want to lower the amount of techniques you're trying to learn. Uh, let's tr- let's go with two or three. Uh, two uh, limit it down to two or three techniques in one position. Uh, you really want to to focus on. So two or three techniques position like back. You know back mount. You know normal mount. S mount, half guard, etc. You know, just a position and uh, two to three techniques. Um, let's see, number two. So tighten your grouping. It'll make it easier so your head isn't thinking about 50 different techniques at the same time. Much easier to think clearly when you're only thinking about two or three moves. Um, and focus, or that's not all you're thinking about, obviously, but that's what the, the majority of your, your focus is on. It'll help you out. So tighten your grouping. Uh, number two. 
warm up better and get better sleep. So this is a common one, but like legit, um, like warming up makes a difference with your learning process, with um, learning process and your training process. Um, you, you know, I hate when students. Um, I hate when students skip warm ups, not because I'm I'm you know just frustrated that they're they're not disrespecting me by not doing the warm ups or anything like that. It's frustrating because if you um, it takes a while to get your your body really really primed and get the engine primed, um, and your best performance is there. So um, and the warm ups also have important uh, drilling sequences, like because you're you're trying to get thousands of reps of these different like your hip escape. You need thousands that you need like fifty thousand reps. Um, you need to do those warm ups every single day. So that by the time you've trained ten years, you know you got fifty. 50,000 reps of the shrimp, um, it's going to be one of the most important things you need. So, um, skipping warm ups will, uh, or will, or doing the warm ups will help you out. Um, you know, it, it, they definitely help. And, uh, sleep, there's no substitute for good sleep. Um, sleep is really like good, a good quality sleep is imperative, uh, for learning. And you, uh, even though you, you might feel like you're in a physical plateau with jujitsu, but you, you have to learn to get past that plateau, even like your physical intelligence, um, the feeling like athleticism, if you want to say athleticism is physical intelligence, you still need the intelligence. You still need, uh, your brain to process it and your brain processes a lot of what you learn and processes what you learn while you sleep and you need to have good quality sleep. Um, that's just the tip. Number three, um, stop trying to be a perfectionist. Okay. Um, this one is a hard one. I have this one a lot. Uh, a lot of people have this one and it'll get you stuck. Um, stop. So you want to stop being a perfectionist. Uh, perfectionism comes from ego and insecurity. Everybody has them, you know, and every time that you think it's, uh, it's like a little thing that you think you have it tamed and controlled and then it will, rear its ugly head um and whenever it uh rears its head you have to you have to uh control it and you have to calm it down and um so uh yeah but like perfection trying to be a perfectionist about everything all the time it just stresses you out so much that it'll it'll mess you up it'll get you frozen and then if you make a mistake you'll you'll end up being too hard on yourself and when you're too hard on yourself you won't open up as much and then when you open up less you, your your growth is going to slow and then then it's like a vicious cycle where you then you just kind of get yourself like vapor locked because you're being too hard on yourself increasing the anxiety closing yourself up closing down your game and then it's just a vicious cycle and you just kind of get stuck and you're just spinning your wheels in the mud um so, uh, so yeah, perfectionism, uh, it might just be just, just loosen up just a little bit. Don't be uh, quite so hard on yourself. Um, when you put the perfection weight down, um, it takes a significant amount of uh, drag off of your, off your mind, you know, drag like cars and stuff like that. Um, so you, you really do off, but it's a mental drag that you'll have just mental drag. You'll clear it up and, um, your gas mileage will be better with your brain, um, uh, I promise if you try it out, um, it will help. Uh, number four, put in the work and study. All right. Put in the work and study, study, check out highlights, world championships, all that good stuff. Um, again, it all depends on your dedication level and your work level and your job level, everything like that. But studying, watching video, uh, world championships, uh, studying technique, technical videos and, uh, watching highlight videos, absolutely going to help you. It's not going to hurt you like it's proven it's going to help you um and then uh with uh, the the put in the work part also is um you know you're coming to class and there's a lesson plan um but if you're looking at if you come to open mat times and you're putting in extra drilling um uh you're putting in extra drill work um you know when you're trying to drill new techniques 
you want to drill, depending on your dedication level, I will, uh, increments 200, 200 rep range, 200, 500, and 1,000. Depends on, you know, 200 might just be if you're like, hey, I train, I take two classes a week, and then I go to one open mat a week. Um, so, you know, you could be in that 200, 200 rep range. <coughs> be in that 200 rep range. Or even even if it's 80, 80 rep range would still be better than zero or seven. Um, but 200 is a good number. Um, if you're, you're training a little bit more than that and maybe you're hitting two open mats or, you know, you're getting after class, you're getting some work in or, you know, before class or, um, you know, you're training on Saturdays and Sundays, um, you could pop up to the 500. And then if, and of course, if you're trying to be a professional, um, then you, you want to bump it up to that 1,000 rep range, at least 1,000 reps on a tech technique um uh and if again if you're trying to be a professional because this is what the other professionals are doing i'm just giving you what the par is going to be at least a thousand reps on a technique then once you get a thousand reps on that technique you can write it down on a board and then check it off boom got it checked off and thousand doesn't have to be in a day or a week or anything like that you don't have to go crazy you can do the thousand uh, even if you're on the pro range let's say if you came to two open mats and you know each open mat you do um, 75 reps of a technique. It's like, sweet. Okay. That's 150 for two open mats. Uh, you, you did 150 that week. Awesome. You know, um, just keep on going, you know, be 600 a month and you need to get to the thousand. So just track them, write them down. It'll help you. And if, uh, and if you, you are a professional and you have a normal job and you have a family and you're not training that often, you can just bump it down to the 200 rep range. Same thing. You don't have to do that 200 in a week. You can do the, you know, it's just, if you want your arm bar from the closed guard to get better, write down on a piece of paper, 200 reps. And if it takes you a month to get 200, that's fine. At least you got 200 in. If it takes you two weeks, that's fine. Um, but recording it and actually putting it down is, uh, is an important part you know, making sure that you put the numbers in because if you don't record it, you might only get, you know, 50 reps of it, 20 reps of it, etc. Um, let's see. Any more, any more, any more. No, that's the, that's it. So last little bit is just, um, number five, last one, uh, have fun in the process. Um, this kind of also relates to the, uh, perfectionism, um, have fun. Um, Jiu-Jitsu, this is actually what makes it fun. The challenges, um, the, 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 the difficulties, the challenges, the frustrations. Um, it makes all the really good. It makes the breakthroughs, the, the tournament wins, the, the, um, the body transformation. It makes all these things, the, the peace of mind that you get, the relaxation you get from it. Um, I, think, I think it's uh, you, you get it from because it's not the easiest thing to do. Um, so also just understand that, that, um, that you're just in a process too. So don't, don't be too hard on yourself. Had fun. Um, you know, you could think like, uh, you're, you're writing your own book and you're carving your own little story into the universe when like you're doing jujitsu tournaments or you're, you know, normal people just go home, sit on the couch and watch TV and don't, um, don't do, you know, they don't go out and let somebody punch them or kick them or choke them. Or, you know, slam them down to the mat. So it's, uh, you're doing something kind of cool. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's honestly, it's pretty fun to have, um, the, the, all the struggles, the injuries, like difficulties there. It's, it makes it, this thing is it gives you a headache in the short term, but it's, but there is one thing I'll say, like it's, um, it's exciting and it makes you feel alive. Um, it, it kind of, it, we still have to be in a normal society. Everybody, we have normal professions, et cetera, et cetera. But um, it, uh, 
the more that you train, the more that you're active with different things. If you are doing tournaments, one of the exciting things it's kind of it's kind of like a, a throwback to you know time before. Uh, offices and air conditioning and Amazon Prime, um, because when you're going out, you're kind of it's a it's a it's a journey of like exploration and uh, and being in the moment and figuring out uh, how to problem solve in the moment and how to deal with stuff when uh, you know your your knees swollen or your ankle swollen or your toes broken or something like that. Um, how how to uh, overcome with the things or you know you're getting sick or something like that. And that also includes the the recovery and how you learn to recover around different injuries and illnesses. And um, so it is a big journey and it's uh, it's a it. I'm, I think it makes life uh, more exciting. It makes life uh, more fun because you're you're present in it as opposed to just you know just going home and just having a glass of wine or like a glass of whiskey and then watching three or four TV shows in a row and then just going to sleep and just waking up and doing it again. So um, it's fun. So just uh, remember that it's actually fun too. That's I guess that's the last piece I'll say. Um, remember it's actually fun, that you actually like to do it because when you get stuck and you fi- find yourself in a, like hitting a plateau, um, you'll be so hard on yourself that you'll forget that you're having fun. And uh, every once in a while, just smiling, just going, okay, cool, sweet. Um, I, now I, I know what this is. I'm in a plateau. Sweet. I'm gonna get past it, and then, and these are the ways. These are some tips for you to get past it. So um, I hope hope they uh, hope they help you out, and uh, hopefully that all works. And uh, yeah, hopefully you enjoyed the the ramblings. So uh, yeah, I hope you enjoyed this episode. Um, thank you to all the Phoenix MMA podcast subscribers. You're the bomb. Awesome stuff. We got uh, more stuff coming up. We got tournaments. We are going, going, going. The gym is growing at a crazy fast rate. I'm very thankful. We have a lot of great people in the gym. We got good people. We got people learning really fast, really paying attention, really working hard. So thank you so much for everybody in the gym that's training, working hard. I'm very appreciative. And um, for all the uh, all, everybody listening to the podcast, going to have a contest coming up for a free gi. Um, and uh, the so the um, yeah, we'll have a podcast for a free gi. Um, we have new gis coming in, new colors, and uh, just um, we have a, a new a new design of gi, a new color gi, but it, the design's slightly different on as well. Um, but we'll have a prize, a giveaway for a free gi. Is that so? That'll be fun. And uh, there's some uh, there's some good uh, fights coming up, uh, different things. So we'll have a contest um, for that. So thank you so much, everybody, for listening to this episode. Hopefully you enjoyed it and uh, enjoy the rest of your weekend. See you soon.